All right, Peter, you made it to the bonus round. Congratulations. Thanks, Regis. Okay, the category is actor and show, so we need five consonants and a vowel. Uh, okay, um, Z, four, Q, another Q, uh, a third Q, and the Batman symbol. Okay, no help there. Um, 15 seconds. If you want to take a shot at it, talk it out. Is it Alex Karras in Webster? I don't believe it. Oh, my God, I just took a shot in the deck. Holy crap. Okay, you have $1,300. Why don't you go ahead and pick out some prizes from a showcase? Okay, let's see. Uh, oh, boy, everything looks nice. Um, all right, I'll take the ceramic Dalmatian for 600 And, uh, boy, that TV looks nice. Um, uh, give me the one free week of maid service, and uh, I'll take the hat rack. Um, hey, how much for that fat guy in the circle? I don't see a price tag on that. That's you. Oh, oh, embarrassing. Uh, okay, well, in that case, I'll take the rest on a gift certificate. Everybody, the Night Fly, June 16th edition, Dave Juskow with you. June 16th, 2020. 2020, love saying 2020. A year that will truly live in infamy. You think September 11, 2001 was bad? That was nothing. This whole year is a mess. 2020. There's nothing like it. It's fantastic. Everybody was worried about the year 2000. Well, forget about that. 20 years later, we taught 2000 a lesson, didn't we? We sure did. Well, it's like Aunt May says in Spider-Man 2. And, uh, oh, no, no, it's Spider-Man who says it. He goes, hey, we sure showed them. And she said, we did. <laughs> Aunt May in Spider-Man 2. Who would be quoting that except a complete moron? How are you, everybody? It's me, the moron, Dave Juskow, the guy that tried to poison himself. With his masking and social distancing. I'm not too bright. How are you? Yeah! What is that? I don't know. You know I'm trying to... <laughs> I mean, I've had some coffee, but I'm really not coffeeed up today at all. I... I'm exhausted. I, I don't think I've slept all day, and I'm like, let's do the podcast. It's a beautiful day. Today we got a Saturday in New York City, the worst place on the planet right now. But you'd never know. The sun is shining. It's a delightful day. It's a little breezy outside. It's nice. How could anything possibly be wrong on a day like today? Anyway, here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Nightfly Podcast that you love and uh, respect. I didn't say re- I said respect, but that's not what I meant. But that you love, and you know you do. And here we are once again during a pandemic with uh, no guests and no future and nothing to do and no way to make a living. But the podcast continues because that's all we have to do is listen to things. Because we're living in the 50s and uh, there isn't TV hasn't been invented yet. Yes, again, I still don't understand how podcasts are popular. You know you can watch stuff, right? How did radio go back to being popular? How did that happen? I don't know. I didn't have anything to do with it. People are crazy. As we all know for a fact now, for sure. 
<laughs> people are crazy. Oh, yes. Boy, a lot of crazy stories for you today. Let's open with, uh, oh, my goodness. The uh, Well, first of all, I didn't sleep at all. And then for so I went out early this morning around 630, and I decided to come back and order McDonald's because I'm an idiot. And there's no other reason. I wasn't even hungry. And I'm like, well, I'm up early on a Saturday. That sounds like an old school fun thing to feel like a better time when it was fun to have McDonald's in the morning. Now it's just fattening and horrible. But they do have good coffee, and that's what I'm drinking now. Outstanding. But uh, so then I was like, no, no, let's do it. No, let's go back to bed. No, no, let's do the pocket. No, let's go back to bed. I keep wasting my days by, you know, this sleeping stuff. But I'm like, well, I'm really tired, but I want to be up. So I was just, you know, let's take a couple of sips of coffee. We'll be fine. We can get through this. Um, And again, my nose wasn't even running until I just started the podcast because I get so worried about it. I don't want to sound like a, like a well, like a Jew. Uh, my nose is totally blocked. Okay. <laughs> but. Whatever. Anyway, the point of the story is, is that about an hour ago, uh, I called my friend Evan Cutler. Evan Cutler, who was supposed to be on this podcast before everything went kaplooey, kaplooey, kabooey. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, before everything went bad, Evan Cutler is the one of the producers of Live PD on the A&E channel, which, as you may or may not know, just got canceled yesterday because people are insane. And for some reason, they're going to take this show because people don't clearly have all the facts, and they're going to take away a show that everybody enjoys about cops because people have lost their mind over one bad cop. So now they just want to get rid of the police department. Seriously, are you thinking this through? So I called my friend Evan, who's now out of a job. Thank you to uh, the Disney Corporation, who uh, got scared, or half the Disney and A&E, and uh, totally nobody has any balls anymore. Everybody's afraid of everybody else. I just need one man to stick, stand up and say, hey, shut up. We're keeping this show on the air, and I'll tell you why. This show is a very good depiction of how a good, competent police department around the country to police departments can work. This is a show that compliments. Not all police people are bad. Live PD, if you don't know it, is a terrific show. It was on three hours a night on Fridays and Saturdays from 9 to midnight, live every Friday and Saturday, going around the country and following live police officers as they, uh, you know, look for trouble. Don't look for it, but they find it. People's, you know, uh, car chases that that people won't, people resisting arrest, people who are drinking and driving, uh, people who are, you know, have guns in the car, people doing bad deeds. And what it showed was actually how polite the cops would be. You know what it also showed, and I was talking to Evan about this, is if you're sitting there with your kid and you're watching and everybody watched. I don't think it was a difference of a black or a white thing. Black people watch it too. You actually sit there and say, well, here's how I should act if a policeman pulls me over. And if that sounds racist, again, go, you know, screw you. I mean, this, you know, this that's it was actually a really good. I'll tell you what it was really good for 
is if you're in any of the cities that they have, there's no way I'm drinking and getting into a car. End up on TV? Are you kidding me? That has to be an accidental thing. There's no way I'm taking a chance. Scared the hell out of me about drinking and driving. It was a pretty goddamn good show. The three guys, you know, I've been to the offices. Everybody who worked on the show was terrific. Very nice people. The three guys, the three police officers, uh, Dan something, Tony, I don't know what their name, you know, names are exactly, but terrific guys. Terrific guys. They were so nice to me, each one of them. All very handsome as well. Very physically fit. Probably my age, but they look amazing. You know, the kind of guys that could probably wear a t-shirt and get away with it. You know what I'm talking about, like Cousin Frankie. I mean, these guys were great. They were really nice. And you know what else they were doing? They helped finding, they were helping finding hardened criminals and a wanted second and finding lost children. So sorry if you don't want that show on the air anymore where it was actually trying to help and put the word out about missing children and want very bad criminals that were on the loose. And are you happy now? Now it's gone. There goes my entertainment for the weekends, unfortunately. So I just called Evan and I said, I'm so sorry to hear this. He's devastated. He's got a wife and family that he's got to, you know, for it. Obviously, he'll, I'm sure he'll be able to find another job. But, you know, the funny thing was, is like last Saturday, I was planning on going over there with the podcast and podcasting while he was working. He was just sitting on his porch producing the show because he couldn't go back into Manhattan. I wanted to see how it worked. I wanted to go over there and just spend time watching him produce the show. That would have been amazing. I mean, I was planning on going over there today, tonight. They canceled it. I mean, why not just put it on hiatus, you chickens? Boy, it really, uh, really bummed me out because it's a great show. And, you know, Fox got rid of Cops, the show Cops, but that probably needed to go because it was so old. Just in general, but, you know, they're getting rid of anything with cops and stuff. It's so ridiculous. They, I've, I've heard, but I could be fake news. The village people asked the cop in the village people to leave because it's causing too much stress. Well, that's when things have gone way too far, but they're probably right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who's going to village people shows that would be angry. I can't, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you think a lot of the protesting people are going to village people shows where they're going to be very upset about the cop? Hey, fuck you, cop. I'm not a real cop. I'm only in a, a, a gay band. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, copper. It's ridiculous. So Evan will come on in a week or two when all this is legally panned out and he'll tell us you know, what was happening and what did happen. And it's just so uncool. It was a terrific show. And again, you know, a show that showed all the great cops, people that want to help, people that are, are polite cops that are there to actually do a job. All right, maybe they want to be on TV and be famous, whatever. But as long as they were going to be on TV, they were always going to do the right thing. They were never going to pull whatever this cop did in Minnesota. I mean, this was a good show. And this is where it just goes too far. Defunding the police. You guys are crazy. How's that going to work? Defund or, or disbanding. Let's see how that works after a day. You don't think there'll be a more looters? I can't even have this conversation. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, this will blow over 
Everybody will be back to their sen- you know, senses that they, they, you need a police department. I mean, you might not like them if they, you know, get you for speeding or even drunk driving for that matter. Or, you know, stuff that you want to do, which you're not allowed to do, walking with a drink in the park. Then you're like, goddamn police. But let's face it. Somebody breaks into my house. I'm going to want to call the cops. Somebody hits my car. I want to call the cops. Somebody does something like that. I want to have a place where I can call and feel safe about myself walking around this planet. But I I didn't want to get into that today, but I had to. I just talked to Evan. I mean, I feel horrible for him. This was a great show. It was super fun. And like I said, very nice people that you all put out of a job. I hope you're all happy with yourselves. When everybody's looking for work, you just put out a whole bunch of people out of a job. That's A&E I'm talking about. I don't know where they're getting pressure from. I guarantee it's just one person who complained. It's always one person. And then, uh, damn it. I have nothing else to say. It's just really annoying. Plus, Evan is also an avid bird, a birder. Is that what it's called? Or a bird, you know, one of those, you know, like that guy, uh, what was his name, George Cooper or something? Or George, I think it's George Cooper who, you know, Karen, you know, Karen, the, the girl they're calling Karen. Karen! Not from uh, Goodfellas, but now they're making, you know, all women that are soccer moms or whatever are called Karen, right? Because of this woman that was so mean to this guy who was bird watching, which we all know by now. And Evan is not only an avid bird watcher, but a very good friend of this guy who he says is probably one of the nicest people he's ever met. And, you know, we were just talking about this like this guy's life. And we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. This life, guy's life would have been ruined if he didn't videotape this woman because it sounded like she was about to be molested. I mean, she was acting. And it was horrible. And this guy's like the nicest guy. He really is an avid bird watcher. And my friend Evan is an avid bird watcher. And he's like... Yeah, you know, there was this, I met him when there was this, this big, uh, bird feud that was going on. I'm like, what? <laughs> this, what? But with bird watchers, there's a couple of bird feuds, you know, because there's always people, even if you're in the same thing, who are going to say you're doing it wrong and you're not listening. And that's why we're always going to be so screwed because even if we all were to get along, which just isn't realistic, you know, somebody's always going to say, well, you're getting along the wrong way. So what are you going to do? This is just going to keep happening and everything. And uh, there's nothing we can do about it. So, so you do the best you can. You get through life. You finish. And then uh, you get reincarnated. You come back and you do it again. <laughs> I guess. God, I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, I hope I just end up in that box. My God, I don't think I can take another circle around. But uh, speaking of two other things, actually, that uh, that just caught my mind. Number one. The Karen thing, we were talking about, Jeff Ross did the funniest thing last week on Insta Roast. He was dressed as a Karen character. He was wearing a wig, and he was doing the Karen bit. And he told me, it was so funny, I, I didn't see it, so he told me. He goes, no, it was fine. I was a Karen. It was like, really, I was having a really good time. And I just kept, uh, you know, if there was a, like one of the guys was like a big guy, and I go, hello, 911? Yeah, there's a fat guy about to eat a sandwich? Come quick. I mean, uh, that's really funny. I think he's uh, making fun of the whole thing and roasting a fat guy at the same time. Now, that is good comedy. Speaking of which, Jeff Ross, David Tell on Father's Day are doing a special somewhere. It's not on Netflix, but they're doing a virtual bumping mics 
for Father's Day. I don't know where it is. Uh, you know, check it and look somewhere. I'm sure Jeff has posted it somewhere. I'm sure Dave has done nothing to promote it, but they're trying to make some money during the quarantine or during whatever it is now. I, are we, we're not even, are we, it's, it's over, right? I mean, not the, the disease ain't over, but I, I guess the quarantining's over because in the East Village yesterday, I, I was just reading the post today and there, there's a picture of just, it's like New Orleans out there on, for, right on, on First Avenue in the East Village, on my block, everybody's just hanging out there. The, the streets are all cut; like nobody can even drive through. It's like New Orleans. Everybody's drinking outside because all the bars have opened where you can just have outdoor service. I'm not even talking about sitting. Everybody's just standing on the sidewalk drinking. It's kind of great, except for the fact that you know nobody's wearing masks. I am to blame as well. I did the exact same thing on Thursday, which I'll tell you about in a second. But uh, it's kind of wonderful just hanging out in the street and drinking. It's it's It really is kind of great. But, yeah, when you're thinking about that, it's technically not over yet and everybody's just out. But really can't get mad at it because, I mean, as an old man, I can get mad about it. <laughs> but you've asked people to stay in for three months, which they've done in an unprecedented event in anyone's lifetime that we've ever met. Yeah, that we've ever met. You know, if you've met grandparents that were born in 1904 and they can tell you some stories, they're not going to tell you these kind of stories. I mean, these are new and fresh and, you know, there can't be any grandparents that is going to tell you anything worse unless they've been in war. Uh, But again, that's overseas and those are horrors of war and stuff, but I'm talking about normal events that the people that haven't been in war but were here when there was a war would tell you like, well, it was during World War II and we used to have drills and, uh, and you know, now you just, you know, for your grandparents, you're like, shut the fuck up. You don't know shit about shit. So, yeah, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, you ask people to stay in for three months. They were pretty good about it. And then the weather gets nice and everybody's cooped up. Uh, it's hard to ask them to stay in. And it's super kind of fun drinking on the street and just talking to people again. And again, I'll go back to them in a second. There was something else that I wanted to say that I had just mentioned myself. Oh, I remember what it was. Oh, it was about Woody Allen. That's right. Because I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of the scene in Hannah and her sisters. Gosh, you really went through a crisis. You know that? How, How did you get over it? I mean, when I ran into you, you seemed, you seemed just perfectly fine. Well, you seem fine now. Well, I'll tell you. One day, about a month ago, I really hit bottom. You know, I just felt that in a godless universe, I didn't want to go on living. Now, I happen to own this rifle, which I loaded, believe it or not, and pressed it to my forehead. And I remember thinking at the time, I'm going to kill myself. Then I thought, what if I'm wrong? What if there is a God? I mean, after all, nobody really knows that. But then I thought, no, you know, maybe is not good enough. I want certainty or nothing. And I remember very clearly the clock was ticking and I was sitting there frozen with the gun to my head debating whether to shoot. All of a sudden the gun went off. I had been so tense my finger had squeezed the trigger inadvertently. But I was perspiring so much the gun had slid off my forehead and missed me. And suddenly neighbors were, were pounding on the door 
floor, and, and I don't know, the whole scene was just pandemonium. And, you know, and I, I, I ran to the door. I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I was, I was embarrassed and confused, and my, my mind was racing a mile a minute. And I just knew one thing. I, I, I had to get out of that house. I had to just get out in the fresh air and, and clear my head. And I remember very clearly, I walked the streets. I walked and I walked. I, I didn't know what was going through my mind. It all seemed so violent and un, unreal to me. And I wandered for a long time on the Upper West Side, you know, and it must have been hours. You know, my, my feet hurt, my head was, was pounding, and, and I had to sit down. I went into a movie house. I, I didn't know what was playing or anything. I just, I just needed a moment to gather my thoughts and, and be logical and, and put the world back into rational perspective. And I went upstairs to the balcony. And I sat down. And, you know, the movie was a, a film that I'd seen many times in my life since I was a kid. And, and I always loved it. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching these people up on the screen. And I started getting hooked on the film, you know. And I started to feel, how can you even think of killing yourself? I mean, isn't it so stupid? I mean, look at all the people up there on the screen. You know, they're real funny. And, and what if the worst is true? What if there's no God and you only go around once and that's it? Well, you know, don't you want to be part of the experience? You know, what the hell, it, it's not all a drag. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, I should stop ruining my life searching for answers I'm never going to get and just enjoy it while it lasts. And, you know, after, who knows? I mean, you know, maybe there is something. Nobody really knows. I know, I know maybe is a very slim read to hang your whole life on, but that's the best we have. And then I started to sit back and I actually began to enjoy myself. That's a classic scene from a classic movie and uh, very prolific, as we know Woody Allen to be. You know, what's the big you know, Maybe you do just go around once. Don't you want to be part of the experience? It sounded a little uh, sped up, but uh, whatever the case may be, uh, again, a fascinating scene and certainly... I think about that all the time, especially when I get depressed or suicidal, as I have before, as you all know. Um, you know, there it is. You know, you just got to walk out, clear your head and say, well, maybe you do just go around once. Don't you want to be part of the experience? And certainly I have lived life uh, in the sense of having that experience, you know, now and again, you can't have it all the time. But uh, the reason why I brought it up was because I had just listened to Alec Baldwin's NPR podcast where his last guest was a Zoom call with Woody Allen, which Jeff Ross alerted me to, which is why I thought of it. And it was terrific. It's about 42 minutes long. I highly recommend listening to it. Stop everything you're doing and listening to it now. No, after you listen to the podcast, write it down. Alec Baldwin interviews Woody Allen. I mean, you know, that's, oh, God, I'll tell you what I'd give for, first of all, I was very pleased. I like Alec Baldwin's interviewing skills. I saw his old show. I saw the pilot. They aired it after the Oscars once at like two in the morning, and it was, who was, oh, it was Jerry Seinfeld. And I was like, boy, this guy's excellent. I wish it was more than 40 minutes, you know? I mean, somebody should just, Woody Allen should be smarter Somebody should just get a hold of this guy. And I told you, I think when they're doing those things with Holocaust victims and they're having them talk for like a week 
answering questions to a thing. I mean, somebody just needs to get Woody Allen, sit him down with in a podcast format so he doesn't have to be on TV or anything, and talk to him for like 10 hours and just ask him every question. And this was a, re- and you know, this is only 40 minutes, but it was a great interview. They talk about, you know, the film. They talk about everything. And then uh, at the beginning of the interview, Alec Baldwin says, you know, we uh, get into he's saying what's going to happen. And, you know, they're going to talk about the accusations and all that stuff. And so then when he's interviewing him, a lot of people I've talked to didn't like when he asked him about these things. But I thought he worded it the correct way, kind of blamed NPR. He goes, listen, uh, this isn't my idea, but it you know wouldn't be much of an interview. This is part of my job. The people I work for, I work for a news organization. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you these questions. Now, obviously, Woody knew. It's not like he was brought, you know, he knew what he was coming on for. So they're asking about the Dylan and the Ronan Farrow and all the Mia Farrow kind of stuff. So they cover that as well. And, you know, when you hear it from Woody Allen's voice, I know it's, again, a he said, she said, but... It certainly makes me feel better about Woody Allen and liking his movies and not thinking that any of this, that these allegations are false. And Alec Baldwin believes the same thing. And, you know, Sarah and I always want to believe it because Sarah's on the on the fence a little bit. But I told her about the interview. And when you hear it, the way Woody Allen talks about it, and the way he speaks it, obviously, you know, he's good at this. But I'm just I'm I'm always going to take a side. I, I think there's foul play involved i've always thought that i don't think he's that kind of guy uh, you know again if he never married his stepdaughter probably people wouldn't give it a second thought but that's where people are like no he's done this before he's a pervert he's obvious but the funny thing is uh, like me saying i'm a racist it's just like well he's never said he wasn't a pervert i mean i'm pretty sure in the 60s a lot of his act was about being a pervert so <laughs> you know that's uh, maybe that's a detriment to him as well but the interview is fantastic and you get to hear a couple of things you know he says i understand you were asked to be in a round table for turner classic movies about annie hall and you didn't want to be and he goes you know it's weird because i love turner classic movies and i like the guy uh, whoever the guy who's who does it all the time he like him but i just don't want to talk about my old films and we know that about him he doesn't but boy do his fans want it really badly he just you know he moves on but who wouldn't want just two hours to talk about Annie Hall and and his thoughts and how he puts stuff together? I mean, you know, you get bits and pieces from a lot of the stuff he's been doing as he's been getting older. Because I feel I have the feeling he wants to make sure he's set the record straight on a lot of things before he dies. Where he's been doing more interviews and making this autobiography, but this autobiography book was clearly just based on I'd like my name cleared because I didn't do it. And my son Moses will tell you he was there and I didn't do it. But Mia Farrow had apparently her headset on revenge, which we do know is a thing. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. You can choose to believe it or not. But uh, the interview is fantastic. And I highly recommend it. It was a wonderful thing to have to walk around and listen to. I took a long walk and listened to the whole thing on the walk uh, around the river and everything. And it was really terrific. Highly recommend it. Um, let's see what else can we cover today. Lots to do, actually. I have, uh, I have some. There was some other clip. Oh, you know what? I, okay, well, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I look at my thoughts, and I because 
you know, we're not doing anything. I, I'm usually more on the podcast, more cohesive because I just kind of run down the days in order when we go out and do things. But now, since this has all happened, I just kind of write stuff down randomly that I want to talk about, and it's very much out of order. So I don't know whether it uh, affects your listening pleasure or not. But Dave Attell uh, last week said the funniest thing, just like Jeff. I mean, really do get lucky sometimes talking to these guys because they think they're just trying out their material on me. But Dave Attell said he, you know, he goes to visit his mother in Long Island a lot, and he said he was worried last week that he was going to run into a protest, uh, you know, that he drives out there and he was just running. He's like, I don't want to get into a protest. I don't want to run into, you know, I mean, nobody wants to run into that because they block traffic. So he's very uptight about this. He's got to go see his mom. He goes to see his mom. And then he's driving around and he hears all this honking. And he's like, oh, fuck. I can't believe it. I was almost out of the city. And now I hear all this honking in this like town that he grew up in. And as the honking continues, he finds out, it's uh, like an, a nine-year-old's birthday party that just says, honk, it's my birthday. <laughs> so he says to the kid, oh, my God, I'm so glad to think because I was about to shoot you. Uh, but it was uh, that is really funny that you hear all this honking and you're like, God damn it. And it's just like a nine-year-old's birthday because, you know, the, that's the way they're doing birthdays now, a little parade of cars in front of your house. Oh, I feel so bad for kids like my niece Liza turned 21 having the you know this is the worst time for birthdays and again the only saving grace to it is that everybody's having the same issue so what are you going to do I wonder by my birthday August 13th if things are semi-normal where I can do something exciting probably not the shows that I've been doing but um, that's all right maybe I can find something exciting to do anyway taking a sip of coffee sorry I also have been talking to Jessica Pilot, our friend, who also works for NPR. In fact, I forgot to call her and ask her about that Alec Baldwin thing. She probably has more information she can tell us. But uh, it was funny. She was talking about that. She was talking to some guy from North Carolina. He goes, hey, I'm thinking I think I'll come to L.A. in a, in a week. How about next week I'll come to L.A.? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you weirdo? There's The people that where things have been open, which I know in North Carolina they've been open because my friend Kenny – uh, and Jody, you know, they moved down there for a little bit. He's like, yeah, it's great down here. We go to restaurants, you know, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. They're all open. They're just doing random things. So they're like, hey, I'm going to come visit in L.A. But L.A. is like New York. Like, it, it's not open. It's not a fun place to travel to right now. You know, there's no reason to travel there. So the guy's like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come visit you. She's like, you know, I'm really lonely right now and I haven't seen a lot of people. But no, don't come here. What's the matter with you? And she was saying it's very similar to like. When people were coming to New York to, you know, for after 9 11 to see 9 11. Oh my God, we got to go to the memorial. It's going to be great. I mean, it's just so weird when you live here and people are coming to town to see the wreckage, the rumbles of, of, of 9 11. It was such like, you know, you were like, you fucking morons, get the fuck out. Why are you coming here to see this? This is a horrible day, but that's what happens. People are martyrs in that sense. They want to see it. I mean, the fact that there's so many people who just hang around the 9-11 memorial, I want to forget it ever happened in my whole life. I hate September 11th. I never want to be in the city. I mean, I was here. And like everybody else that was here that day, no one wants to have it. Like, I wish they'd move it out of the city. But, of course, you can't. And in a way, of course, you, you need the memorial, but it's it's fascinating when I'm down there and I just see the crowds of people. It's like a Holocaust museum and, 
you know, again, who's going to that? But lots of people do. And I suppose with the Holocaust Museum, you know, I should be happy that people are going to the Holocaust Museum. Thank God people are going. So they learn about it and see why it's going. I cannot go. I only went for the article for Maxim Magazine, you know, and had to pick up girls there, which, of course, is uh, just horrible. But uh, that's what the magazine was for at the time. But, yeah, I mean, I never want to. I can't can't deal with that. That's why I can't see Schindler's List. I can't watch movies like that. It's too devastating. It's too horrible to know that it happened. And, again, you can, you know, I've been telling my mom about uh, Hannah and her sisters again with that, that line and. You know, why did God create Nazis? And then the dad says, how do I know why God created Nazis? I don't know how the can opener works. Yeah, that guy knows how to write some solid comedy. And speaking of comedy, next week, uh, I'm actually going to have a live guest. I'm going to go to my sister's house because they just don't give a crap about social distancing or anything. Or um, I don't know. They just don't care. They're Trump people. What do you want me to do? And... uh I'm going over there because my brother-in-law, Matt, has another brother who, <laughs> ironically, now that I think about it, was a police officer in Long Island for years. Uh, so we can't hate the police because they're in our family. But he's a great guy, and he retired already. You know, he's been, he was on the force for however long it takes for you to retire. And now he was married and got divorced, and one of, and he's got three kids who are great kids. But the one kid, who I don't know as well as the boys, this girl, Heather, um, is hilarious. And yeah, I haven't seen her in years. And when I did, she was, you know, nine. And now she's married. And I don't, I don't think she has kids of her own. We'll find out, but she's going to be my guest next week. And I promise you, it's going to be funny. She rants on Facebook all the time. Like, not about anything bad, you know, like, hey, these black people, like, it's not like that. But she just rants just the way I do on my podcast, just about any thoughts that pop into her head. So she does these little three-minute things on Facebook. But the important thing is the accent, this heavy, heavy Long Island accent is what will make it so funny. I promise you, this should be very good. And Dory. My niece Dory will be joining us as well. And the juxtaposition between these two young ladies should be fascinating. This girl talks like this. I said to my husband, I said, well, you're going to bed at 934. You're an adult. You can stay up past 11. I mean, that's the way. And I'm not even doing it justice. I'm telling you, it should be interesting. I'm hoping for the best. And she will be my guest next week on the podcast, a very special Nightfly Quarantine Edition, which will be unquarantined for the first time in three to four months. Now, I know the people that like when I do the podcast on my own, I understand that, probably won't like this. But once in a while, I've told you before, you got to mix it up. You've got to have somebody else to talk to. You got to have a guest. And we haven't had a guest, I mean, besides a couple of phone calls in three months. So we're due. And I thought this would be fun. Again, I was going to go to Evan Cutler's house after and have a little talk with him from Live PD. And now what a fuck the thing that's happening. I don't know what's going on. But my guest next week will be Cousin Heather. Yeah. I never confused about the uh, cousins. You know, again, I told you my cousin planning on buying the Mets. So... Uh, I don't know what the status of that is. I know, you know, I've been listening to the fan all the time. I thought people would be thrilled, but they're all unhappy. I don't know why. Just you got to get rid of the owners they have now. And what this owner, the Wilpons, want to do is 
anybody that buys the Mets, they're like, well, we still want it. You can buy it, but we still want to run it for five years. And nobody wants that deal. Can you blame them? The Mets have sucked for so long, all thanks to the Wilpons. They're horrible people, and they're still suffering from the Bernie Madoff deal. Remember him? He's probably so grateful for all this stuff, the quarantine, the Black Lives Matter. It just takes away from him, and that was a long time ago. Who else benefited from the quarantine? There's always somebody. uh, Who was I thinking of that was probably thrilled? I can't remember. I was thinking of it the other day. You know, there's always somebody like Chandra Levy, of course, the best example, um, the girl who was murdered by the congressman. I can't remember his name. And, you know, 9-11 happened. And boy, was he happy. People for uh, Oh, I remember Harvey Weinstein. Right. I mean, those guys, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Bill Cosby, they're probably thrilled. Uh, the Me Too movement in general is thrilled uh, about the quarantine and uh Black Lives Matter because uh, nobody seems to remember it anymore. I mean, it'll come back at some point. But like I said last week, you know, with the, and these transgender people that are picking on J.K. Rowling, they're like, these are people. Think about this. These are the people complaining about J.K. Rowling and her transgender comments. Uh, apparently, I, I mean, I've been doing a little bit more research, very tiny bit. And I guess she doesn't care for transgender. So she has said some things. The one that she put out that everybody was angry about, I... Didn't seem like it had anything to do with transgender, but I don't know. Maybe she speaks out against it, but so all these people, you ready for this? All the transgender people that have gotten Harry Potter tattoos are very angry with what they're going to do with their tattoos. Now, if you get a Harry Potter tattoo, you kind of got this coming. That's the problem with tattoos. You get a tattoo of your girlfriend Unless it's your wife, where then you take a chance that you might end up together forever. If you get a tattoo of your girlfriend, you're a moron. Because if that doesn't work out, you're just going to look dumb to the next two, three people you date. So if you get a tattoo of, uh, you know, if you get a tattoo of Fat Albert and the Cosby kids, (laughs) and then you find out Bill Cosby's a bucket of shit, well, again, that's on you. What are you doing? Tattoos are a little too risky because all that can happen at any time. So if you just get a little nice rose or something like that, really can't go wrong until they find out that roses are the reason for the coronavirus, which, of course, seems that anything can happen these days. So I guess that's a possibility. But hopefully that won't be the case. Now, on Monday, I believe, I, my friend Alina who works at Columbia, right? Or she worked, I know, she's the nurse who works at the hospital. We had her on the show. And she came over because when she doesn't work, she just drives around dropping off the other nurses at their houses in Brooklyn and stuff because, you know, during the time it was very easy to get around for her. But now the traffic's been building up again. But whenever she's around, she stops by in my apartment, which is exciting because nobody ever stops by. So she stops by the apartment and she says, hey, I'm outside, you know, come and say hello. And then, you know, and she's just immediately wants a drink, you know, from she's been taking advantage in Jersey of the outside drinks that they offer in cups since the beginning, since they opened again. So she's like, let it get, let's get a drink. Now I've been trying not to drink, you know, all this day drinking 
because the bars aren't open at night because I've been trying to get some work done. I don't know what kind of work, just something productive. So I feel better about myself, but I'm like not going to turn her down. She's been, you know, she's a nurse. She's got a day off. She wants to spend it with me. What am I going to tell her? No. So she goes across the street to go get uh, the, the, the restaurant across the street has opened up a little bit to go get a drink. And I run into the owner of the pink moose who's sitting, you know, right across the street from my building. I say, Hey, how you doing? How are things going over there? He goes, Oh, I don't know. I'm like, uh, you know, everything will work out. And then uh, like, oh, we're going to get a drink over there. Can I get you anything? He goes, actually, we have sangria at our place. And I'm like, you do? That sounds pretty good. He goes, yeah, go over there now. So I go, hey, we'll go over this guy. So we go over to the pink moose and we tell the guy like, hey, we're here for the sangria. The owner told us to come. And he's like, what? We're like, yeah, we're here for the sangria. He's like, uh, 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 uh. The, the guy has no idea what we're talking about. He goes downstairs for who knows what reason. We never see him again. And we were definitely waiting at least five minutes. We never saw him again. So we left. I said, Alina, let's go. She goes, no, no, that would be mean. And I'm like, well, it's kind of mean for him not to come back and just tell us what's going on. So she's like, yeah, I guess. And believe me, if I say let's go and it's in my neighborhood at a place that I frequent, it means it's time to go because that's something I would never do in my neighborhood. And if a girl said that, I'd be like, no, no, please, I I come here all the time. But that's how bad it was. I mean, we're really waiting there for a good five to six minutes. The guy never came, but we gave him every opportunity to just come back and say, hey, guys, it's just going to be a second. And then we'd be like, yeah, no problem, no problem, which is weird because, you know, the owner was saying, yeah, it's all set. It's all set. We got it all mixed up, but they didn't. So we leave. I tell the owner, I'm like, I don't know what happened back there. We're going to go here because we want to drink now. She's got to go. Her car's parked out here. So we go to the other place. We get a couple of beers. And then he comes back with the singer. He goes, hey, these are on the house. I had to talk to that kid. And I'm like, oh, boy, that's not going to be good. <laughs> I, better, I guess I can't go back in there. So we're sitting on my stoop like a couple of kids from Brooklyn, right? We're just sitting on the stoop. But now we got like six beers and two sangrias, you know, very powerful. And... uh I got smashed, but then while we're drinking and having a good time, and I think getting high, right? I forgot about that too. Uh, the guy who we told, who we tattled on, came back and put the garbage right by us and slammed it down because he remembered us. I didn't know it was him because I'm so bad with faces and names. But when he slammed it down, I'm like, "That was odd." And then she goes, "Yeah, that was that guy." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that makes so much sense." He was making a statement. He was really angry with us. <laughs> Can you blame him? We totally got him in trouble. But you know what? Fuck that. Wait, you know, you got to come up and say like, hey, it's just going to be a while. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to happen. I mean, that's all you need to say. We would have stayed there for 20 minutes probably if he was just a little bit more polite. So I feel a little bad, but not that bad. But yeah, then I had what? Like three drinks, not used to drinking at all and got high. I came home. I ate something and I passed out for the rest of the night. It was horrible. I'm really, this drinking, the day drinking, it's a disaster. Or maybe I'm just not ready. No, it's the day drinking. It's problematic, but that's all there is to offer. I mean, most of the bars are closing around 8 o'clock. Even though there's no curfew, I don't think they're staying open till 4, but I'm not positive. I don't know how they can be. You know, all those people that were gathered out on First Avenue in the East Village, you can't go inside and use the bathrooms either. I mean, maybe they're letting people in, but they're not supposed to be. So I don't know, but it sounds like local people, so you can go near your apartment and use the bathroom, you know. But I, I, I can't deny it's been very fun just sitting around and being able to drink outside. It's, it, it, it is very exciting. You know, that's the problem with being in a bar in the day. You are in the dark, and 
you're missing the day, but so that was kind of a great day. And then the next day, you know, I stayed home and was trying to get, uh, you know, just trying to get things together. Trying to like one day visit somebody and clearly drink, I guess, and then one day just doing some work. So on Thursday, I guess, I went to go see Sophia Samred, who you may remember is our British friend who's a model who uh, doubles for Wonder Woman. She's so ridiculously hot, and her body is kick-ass and very much like Gal Gadot's. She looks like Gal Gadot a lot. And she just had a baby, too. And she never should have had this baby. You remember the story where, you know, we went out on, again, what I thought maybe might be a date because Jeff said, I think she might like you, whatever. And we went out. We got into this huge fight, but that was she didn't tell me she was pregnant. And that's why she was going through all this stuff. But she was going through all this stuff, and we certainly kept in touch all this time. And she was away, and she was in D.C., where she's actually from, and she splits her time between D.C., London, and New York. And she's like, yeah, I'm having this baby. And I'm like, why are you having this baby with this guy that you hate? This ex-boyfriend of hers has been nothing but really mean to her. She goes, because I had an abortion, and I don't want I, – I don't probably maybe shouldn't be selling all this, but I, I don't think she cares – and she's like, and I just didn't want another one. And, you know, I just, you know, I just think I can handle it. And, you know, my parents will help and maybe take care of the baby pretty much. So anyway, she has the baby, the baby, uh, I don't know, a month ago, maybe, no, maybe two weeks earlier than Rachel. And uh, she, uh, I mean, I so I saw her on Thursday, and she looks amazing. I mean, you would never know she just had a baby. I mean, she really bounced back. You know, she's twenty seven or twenty eight. I mean, that's 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 when you should have a baby, I guess, because boy, she bounced back. I don't even think she did any exercise. She just looks unbelievable. So yeah, I went over her house, and she looked amazing. And but where was the baby? Oh, the baby, the baby's out my pipe. I mean, she didn't talk like that at all. But uh, it's much more funny to do it. But baby's at my parents' house in D.C. I'll see that baby very shortly. But I came up back to New York, come up on the roof, and we'll have some rosé and some cheese and crackers. She doesn't talk like that at all. Um, but, again, it's much funnier. So, yeah, we went up to her roof. We hung out and um, had a nice day. We drank again during the day. But it was a nice day. It wasn't too hot. It was a little windy, so it was nice. But, oh, this guy tried to get her. She's going to come on the podcast soon, and uh, we'll talk about the whole thing. And she'll tell you the whole story. And this guy has been trying to get her arrested, her old boyfriend. I mean, I, she he did get her arrested. She showed me the mugshot. I mean, it's the prettiest mugshot you've ever seen. Uh, he's just trying to take custody of the baby and then put it in a foster home. I mean, this guy's bad news. Uh, I'd met him before, and I said, what's the matter with this guy? He's like uh, a little creepy. He was giving me the eye. And then, uh, you know, I, th- I told her that, but I guess all of her friends told her that. She didn't listen. So now she's got a baby. But I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know if she's going to be a good mom or not, whatever, but uh, she got the means. She got the means. They're, they're, they're wealthy. Parents are wealthy. So that's not a horrible situation to have a baby like this in. You know, I can think of much worse, like me having a baby. You know what I'm talking about. But. Anyway, we went up there, we had a good time, and then she's staying at this girl's apartment who's Asian, but she's been there, she's been uh, subletting it for years now. And in the dishwasher, there's a whole bunch of candy. There's a snacks, 
snacks in the dishwasher, no dishes. And I'm like, I don't understand. What is this? She goes, oh, this is what Asian people do. And I'm like, I've never heard of this before. I certainly know some Asian people. Is it possible that I, I, I know as many Asian people as I know black people? She's like, no, it's an Asian thing. I'm like, no, it's not. So I left her house. I go down the street and I call my friend Sophie, who's Asian. And I say, what, what, what is this about uh, snacks in the dishwasher? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Then I remember she's kind of adopted and she has white parents. So she's not technically Asian. I mean, she is, obviously, but she's not coming from that background. So, you know, I mean, she, she keeps sending me articles where Asian keep snacks in the dishwasher, but I have to, I, I'm trying to think who else I know who I can ask. I can't think of anybody. <laughs> But that's a strange thing I've never heard in my life. Meanwhile, it looked brilliant. It's like a vending machine. It was packaged so nicely. You just pull it out and all these candy bars are in there and a lot of healthy snacks and stuff, you know, because it's a girl. And it was it was unbelievable. But I, I tell you, it's like a if I, you know, kept calling myself a fat guy and then I just had a, a dishwasher full of that, that. I can't believe I've never done that before as a bachelor, using the air quotes. Uh, I'm surprised I don't have a dishwasher full of snacks, but I actually use my dishwasher and I've been using it nonstop. I actually ran out of those uh, cascade packets. I do my dishes like every two days now because I've been cooking more. But well, I said, well, how do you do your dishes? She just washes them by hand. And then I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, you know, every movie you ever see always has people washing plates by hand after dinner. Uh it seems like they never show anybody putting stuff into the dishwasher in the movies or TV. Nobody has a dishwasher. I mean, that's I've been we have never done dishes by hand since I've been a kid. We've always had a dishwasher and his name is Fernando. Thank you, folks. I'm here all week. But no, we've always had a dishwasher and I've always just put stuff in the dishes. I mean, I pre-soak a little bit and maybe I wash some crust off, but otherwise I just put it in the dishwasher. I was watching Catch Me Catch Me If You Can the other day, and I see Martin Sheen and his wife are doing the dishes at the end of the night while being all lovey-dovey. Just don't understand it. And quite frankly, I was telling somebody the other day that I guess it was Olga, if you come over and you cook, uh, don't, you know, because she was saying I've been, people have been asking me to cook for them, like, because she's been staying at other people's houses, and she's a very good vegetarian cook. Not for me, you know, I don't care, but... Um, I, I've seen the stuff she presents. It's pretty good. Her sister can cook too, you know? And I said, well, if you cook for, you know, usually the person that cooks has to clean. She goes, no, they make me clean too. And I'm like, well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. But I'll tell you, if you came over my house, I would clean, but I clean the next day. And then she said she'd probably end up cleaning anyway because she can't leave it there. Every time I cook or somebody else, because I told my sister, she goes, she doesn't like when I clean, when I don't clean. Remember we talked about this. I said, I, said, I, clean, I just like cleaning the next day. I'm sorry. I'll leave it out. I'll soak some stuff. But mostly, I like waking up in the morning, having some coffee, and then I clean, listening to the radio. I don't want to do it at nighttime. It kind of ruins the cooking. The cooking is enough of a day's activity. And then after eating, I'm so full, again, because I'm only cooking for, I'm cooking for four, but I'm eating one person. He's eating four. I, I'm exhausted. I can't go clean up afterwards. That's too much. So I leave it out. Usually leave the light on. So there's no, uh, you know, but I don't really have a roach problem or anything. And then I clean it the next day. That's what I've been doing my whole life. I like it that way. I don't care leaving stuff out for a couple of hours. 
I don't know why everybody's so obsessed with cleaning it up, but I think there's a lot of people that they can't even go to sleep knowing that those dishes are out there. But I don't have a problem with it. But as long as you got to clean it the next day, they can't fool around. And I definitely don't leave it leave it out, at least, you know. And I've definitely left it for my cleaning lady in the past, but now I feel bad because the one time I did it, she charged me extra. So <laughs> it was kind of a mess. It was like buffalo. I cooked buffalo wings and the sauce was all over there. She's like, Mr. Jessica, you need to. She didn't talk like that either, but it's much funnier that way. Um. Uh, so anyway, then Thursday, uh, you know, I found out my friend Lori was working at the bar down at my favorite place on Thursday, you know, down by the cellar. So I'm, oh, she, it was her first day back in three months. So I said, oh, I'll come down. So I went down and uh, all the regulars were there at the window. And so it was really nice to see everybody. And we all just were drinking outside in our plastic cups. I just had a beer with a straw. I didn't need a straw, but I just, you know, whatever. Nobody's wearing masks because you can't. Can't drink and wear masks at the same time. And I, quite frankly, I think I was spitting all over everybody. I think I spit a lot when I talk. You know, I I think I'm realizing that more now. Oh, my God. It's so, I got to do something about that because now people are going to notice. And I'm very embarrassed. I don't know whether it's a new thing or I've been doing it and I just haven't noticed before. But, you know, when you talk as much as I do, something's going to come out sooner or later. But, yeah, anyway, though, I don't think anybody cared. And we actually kind of all hugged a little bit. People were like, should we hug? Yeah, let's hug. Let's hug. It was nice. It was really nice to see everybody. We had a really good time. We just had one beer. Then the bar closed. It was uh, They closed at 7. You know, they just opened for a couple of hours. Closed at 7. And then... Uh, I, th- I took the bike, the motorcycle home. And boy, it was amazing out. I think things are closing down. You know, even if people are coming back to work or whatever, like the city kind of clears out around 7, 8 o'clock. So it was perfect out. There was nobody on the streets. I didn't see any. You know, I think the bars close around 7 or 8. Maybe they all do. So it was a beautiful day and a beautiful sunset. It was really like driving real slow because it was nice out. And I said, boy, I'll tell you, if New York City stayed like this, I would think about staying here, but the more crowded it gets, the more I'm might be done, I guess. I know I keep talking about it. I just I just can't uh well, I can make up my mind. I just I don't know whether I have the means to move at this point. I just can't decide. I mean it's just like I think I, I'm afraid to move until I know how I'm gonna make a living. You know? And I don't know how that what that is yet. If the comedy seller and comedy doesn't open until January I don't think I can survive past September. I mean, I got to come up with a new plan. And maybe I'll make money off this podcast, you know, with sponsors. <laughs> no, I'm, I was just trying to make myself laugh. Oh, uh, so meanwhile, I, uh, you know, went food shopping on, I think, Tuesday. And I was looking for. I'm looking for what I'm looking for. Uh, oh, God, we have so much to discuss today. Okay, we're not even finished for a minute. I was looking for, yes, corn on the cob. I went to two different supermarkets, and I could not find corn on the cob. I don't know why. Is it not in season? I thought this was the season, but it wasn't there. I was sure I was looking in the right place. So I finally asked somebody, and I was like, do you have corn on the cob? And the guy was like, no, <laughs> no. No, you know, just like in this scene. 
shit, I'm going to tell you, boys, that's some of the best goddamn music we've had to Country Bunker in a long time. Well, uh, sorry we uh, couldn't remember the wreck of the old 97. Oh, why well, hell, you guys can learn it next time when you come back. Pop, about um, our money for tonight. That's right. Uh, $200, and you boys drank $300 worth of beer. Uh, well, like, when we first came in, uh, the bar lady never charged us for the first round, so, like, we figured, you know, beer was, like, complimentary for the band, you know? Oh, no, 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 no. Mr. Superman, no here. Uh, well, we're looking for a missing... I know. Mr. Superman, he, he no is here. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, can you just give him this flyer? I know. No. I have no money. Just take this flyer, and if you see this baby... No, no. Yeah. That's what happened. Do you have any corn in the cob? No. No. No, no. That's the answer I got. Why would that be? Why would they answer like that? I mean, I didn't even ask for an explanation. I just kind of walked backwards, staring at the guy. Like, why would he answer like that? That was a little weird. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it was a little strange. Also, I went to my mother's house on... Wait, that's what I did on Thursday. I must have gone to... Oh, I went to Sophia's on Wednesday. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm missing up the, mixing up the days just like everybody else. So I went to my mother's and I was planning on wearing the scrubs that Alina bought me because then I could go in like scarfing and be like, your son's a success, mama. You see? I'm a big success now. I was going to do that. You see? Because she'd be so happy. You know, I mean, maybe I just walk around the neighborhood. She'll be the proudest mom ever. Oh, I see your son got into medical school. Isn't he like a hundred? No, 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 no. Your Sunday big success, mama. And then, then I'll be making enough money Surprise. to Surprise. All that's over. Starting today. Why? My kid's sister don't have to work in no beauty parlor. And mama, she don't have to sew in no factory. Just some made it, mama. It's a success. That's why I didn't come around before, you know. I want you to see what a good boy I be. It's a thousand dollars for you, Mama. Yeah, I did that exact thing to my mother. It's a thousand dollars, my yeah, right. <laughs> but the other part before it, your son made it, Mama. I'm a success. I'm a very successful doctor in New York City. Really, I didn't hear about you going to medicals or anything. Well, I got the clothes, so uh, that's pretty much all you need to be a success, Mama. Hey. Hey, Sosa, I got to hand it to you, Mr. Sosa. Mr. Sosa. I have to hand it to oh, you, Mr. Sosa. Mr. Sosa. And you got everything a man could want. Thank you, Tony. I like you, Tony. I like you, There is no lying There's in no you. There's no lying in you. Unfortunately, I do not feel the same about the rest, the rest of, of your organization. organization. Your man Omar Vasquez. What do you mean by that, Mr. Sosa? Well, I'll tell you what I mean. Talking about Omar Suarez. Oh, Omar Suarez. His garbage, garbage was, was recognized, recognized by my associate in London. Several years ago in New York. He was an informer for the police. What? 
as far as I know, he had my friend Angel Fernandez killed. Hey, oh, you can't blame me for that piece of shit. As far as I know, he had my friend Angel Fernandez killed. Put Tito Duval and the Ramos brothers, Nello and Gino, away for life. I can't believe he put the Ramos brothers away for life. It makes me wonder. So how do I know you're not a Chivato? How do I know you're not like that, Tony? Hey. Hey, Sosa. You got a problem with me, man. Make a move. Let's get this straight hey. now. I never fucked nobody. I never fucked anybody over in my life. Didn't have a coat. The only thing I got in this life are my balls. All I have in this world is <laughs> and my, my balls words. and my word. And I don't break them for no one. You got a problem you with that, Sosa. You make a move. Hey. That piece of shit up there, I never like him. I never, never trust, trust him. him. For all I know, he had me set up and had my friend Angel Fernandez killed. But that's history. I hear he's not. Do you want to go on with me? To say it. You don't. Then you make a move. Yeah, you make a move, man. All right, Tony, but I'll tell you this. Don't you ever fuck me, Tony. Don't you ever fuck me. I'll just tell you this once. Don't you... What the... Oh. Oh, yeah. And then, of course... Yeah, everything's going great for Tony Montana. The montage scene got all the 1983 is from Scarface. I think we all remember it. The montage scene. Push it to the limit. Yeah. Fuck. But don't look down, just keep your head and you'll be finished Open up the limit Past the point of no return You've reached the top, but still you gotta learn how to keep it so much money right now I got a guy he's so good I'll be back on the streets by tomorrow I want to you're the one that fucked me with this guy Seidelbaum I got this guy Seidelbaum take it maybe one step more the power game still playing girl you better win it this is, this is when uh, he's getting married to Michelle Pfeiffer and then uh, Manolo and Gina are looking at each other like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not watching it. I just know it. I know where this, the bridge comes in. Or that this, the instrumental part. Oh, push it to the limit. With no one left to stand in your way. You might get careless, but you'll never be safe. Are you still feeling? You know, if this movie wasn't released in the 80s, it would be all, like, Spanish music or Cuban music. This is kind of an insult that was made in the 80s. It's all just white people music. In fact, why are we protesting this movie? With Al Pacino technically wearing blackface. And if somebody starts protesting this movie, I'm going to get angry. 
Al Pacino was a genius in this movie. Just put on a little, a little Donald Trump tan. That's all. Hey, hey, but you can never make it again. That's what makes it so amazing. Hey, Shosha, listen. I never trusted him. I never liked him. I never thought to him. As far as I know, I hear my friend Angel Fernandez killed. Wouldn't that be funny if they if if that was me in that movie? Wearing like that tan. Hey, Sosa, nobody would be able to take it seriously. <laughs> hey, listen. What you say? I told you not to fuck me, you little monkey. Hey, don't you talk that way to me. Atona Montana. Say hello to my little friend. Take it to the limit. Bump. Bump. Walk along the ranger's edge, but don't look down, just keep your head and you'll be finished. <laughs> it's like a song they would make up on South Park when they're doing a montage, like a, as a joke. But, you know, who cares? It's brilliant. So this is what I was uh, remembering today for some reason. I don't know why. I don't remember anybody mentioning it. I guess I was just thinking about the way things are. And I was thinking about, see if you remember this, we'll go it all, all the way back to 1986. Hands Across America. Does anybody remember that? If you're old enough, do you remember where you were? What Hands Across America happened? I'm pretty sure it went through Edison, New Jersey where I was living, I'm pretty sure it went down Route 27, if I can remember correctly. I have to call my sister. I feel like she knows. I don't think I was part of it because I was to school. I was like right out of college. I'm like, I ain't doing that. I ain't touching no girl's hands. It's ridiculous, right? Well, you don't know who you're touching, right? Besides, at that point, I was I was getting laid so bad. It was like I just come out of college. I was like, man, I, I'm too busy. I can't just do it like a Memorial Day weekend on a Sunday afternoon. I'm always, there's too much chicks around, right? I'm like going crazy and shit, right? Um, I totally had time to do it, but I don't think I did, but I was just thinking about it. And the, and then I was, then I, you know, looked it up. And do you remember it? It was like a charity event where we were all supposed to grab hands and make a chain, a human chain, not a human centipede. A human chain across the country. And of course, there was, but it didn't work. I mean, it worked kind of mentally, but it didn't technically work because the chain was broken, you know, in Arizona and Texas where nobody lives. So, I mean, we did the best we could and it was kind of fun. And, you know, it's funny because they were talking about it in New York City on the FDR or the uh, West Side Highway. There were like nine people deep that wanted to be part of the chain. They had too many people there. And then in Arizona, you know, they had nobody. But they're the celebrities. I was looking at this, that were in certain cities. And in New York, right here in New York City, uh, it was headed up by Brooke Shields and Liza Minnelli. Brooke Shields will be joining us. Again, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing Dave Thomas doing Bob Hope saying Brooke Shields. And Brooke Shields will be joining us. Brooke Shields and Liza Minnelli and Cardinal John O'Connor, Susan Anton, Gregory Hines, Edward Jade's almost Yoko Ono, Anchoring the George Washington Bridge. Um, none of, well, Yoko would probably still be. I'm trying to think if he did it today. None of those people would be involved. You know, like nobody would ask them to come. Except maybe for Liza, but she'd probably be in L.A. 
And they oh, probably Yoko would st- God, we can't get rid of her. And then in Trenton, New Jersey, you ready for this one? Dion Warwick and Tony Danza. <laughs> of course, Tony Danza was there. Philadelphia, you ready for this one? Because this is almost just as good. Jerry Lewis and Scott Bayo. They were the anchors for their cities. I don't know if that anything has to do with anything of where they're from or anything. I don't think I don't think Jerry Lewis is from Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure Scott Bayo isn't either. But that's hilarious. Again, I'm pretty sure none of those people would be asked today. It's kind of funny that the only person asked would be Yoko. I'm not asked. She'd probably just show up. So far, we only have Yoko. In Baltimore, you ready for this? <laughs> I don't know whether this is a joke, uh, and I don't think you could do this today, but you can't ask Kenny Baker. Oh, who's Kenny Baker? Oh, he plays R2-D2. So it means he's tiny. And the other person he anchored with in Baltimore is Emmanuel Lewis from Webster. Which was kind of funny that we played the uh, Wheel of Fortune clip where he was just trying to guess it. Is it Alex Karras in Webster? <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, TV's Webster and R2-D2 anchored. So it's like the all-midget version in Baltimore, which seems like somebody was doing that as a cruel joke. Now, Washington, D.C., they actually have footage of Ronald Reagan and his wife coming out of the house. And uh, Tip O'Neill, or as Brooke Shields like to say, Tip O'Neill. Uh, Pittsburgh, Fred Rogers. Now that makes sense. Now that, I mean, if he was alive, he would he would still be asked to do it today. Youngstown, Ohio, Michael Jackson. He would not be asked. Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, it's definitely not from where they're from because the next one is David Copperfield, and he's from my town, and he was in Cleveland, Ohio for some reason. Would not be asked. Toledo, Ohio, Jamie Farr, because as we all know in MASH, his character is from Toledo, Ohio, so I guess they had something going on there. Again, I don't know why you're asking David Copperfield to be in Cleveland. Um, Columbus, Ohio. I guess, Okay, this makes sense, too. Michael J. Fox from Family Ties, which takes place in Columbus, Ohio. That makes sense. He might be asked. So that's two. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Chewbacca. I am not kidding. Uh, I'm I'm looking for uh, some okay in Springfield, Illinois, fifty Abraham Lincoln impersonators, and in Memphis, fifty four Elvis Presley impersonators. Now that's hilarious. In St. Louis, Missouri, Kathleen Turner <laughs> under the St. Louis Arch. In Little Rock, Arkansas, Bill Clinton. He might be asked. Of course, he'd be asked. In Amarillo, Texas, Kenny Rogers, Tony Dorsett. That makes sense. Well, if Kenny Rogers was alive, he definitely would have been asked. I think. He was rather beloved. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, Don Johnson. He, I mean, he might be asked, but nobody remembers. You know, the, he was huge back then. In Phoenix, Arizona, here's my favorite, Ed Bagley Jr. San Bernardino, California, <laughs> this real sign of the times Bob Seeger and Charlene Tilton from TV's Dallas in Santa Monica it's, it's just so random George Burns Dudley Moore 
Richard Dreyfus and Donna Mills. What the fuck? But that's, you know, closer to L.A. And in Long Beach, California, Mickey Mouse and Goofy. And then Kenny Loggins, Joan Van Ark. The entire cast of Dallas was there. John Stamos. How about that guy? How about that guy stay in power? He might be asked again. Robin Williams and C-3PO. I don't know what the hell all of Star Wars was doing out there, but I think it's about three people that would still be asked. Uh, Clinton, Yoko. And not, I don't want to say asked. They, Yoko, we're not going to ask her to do it, but she, she'll show up. But Yoko would show up, Bill Clinton, and uh, I think John Stamos. Well, he might be asked because he's just, you know, very, you want him to be there. If John Stamos is there, it's a party. And that's the most important thing. Now, that's hilarious. Hands Across America. Do you remember that? And the song is awful. They made a song just like We Are the World, but it's nothing like We Are the World because it stinks. It, it's actually just like they might as well have used Push It to the Limit. I mean, this is exactly what, this is the exact song South Park makes fun of. Nobody likes this song. I want to go to. The, I like when they start. You have to. And we must learn to love each other. I guess that's why I was thinking of it. Not the song, but I mean, it's. I could see this happening again, you know? across America. Come on, everybody. Hands across America. Oh, whatever. This land I love. Well. Well, they're right about that. Divided we fall, united we stand. Because we're going to fall. We're so divided. But the thing is, uh, these geniuses, whoever, uh, you know, thought about this, they hired the guys that wrote this. You ready? They wrote this to write that song, which is why it stunk and it didn't go anywhere. You know, when you do Where the World, you ask Michael Jackson to write you a song. Maybe it wasn't the greatest song, but at least, you know, we remember it and we know the, you know, we know how it happened and it was pretty good. And we know that he wasn't using his best material. But when you're asking two guys that wrote this to write a song to bring America together, that's on you. shows you why the pride is back. Plymouth Voyager, car-like handling Plymouth's 550 protection plan. Versatile Plymouth Voyager. The pride is back, born in America, again. Chrysler Plymouth says thanks again, America, with $500 or $1,000 back on every car we build. Well, you know, again, you ask, you're watching TV, and you're like, that's it. Those are the guys I got to get to write my song. Boy, you're an idiot then. That is on you. And I don't know whether it was this guy who came up with it, but the guy that 
invented this whole hands across America is Ken Cragen. Now, you might remember Ken Cragen. He was a music guy, like he was a manager and stuff, but he, he played himself in our favorite movie, The Late Shift, and took on, uh, you know, uh, Helen, uh, Helen Kushner, but the, the, the actress we like, uh, you know, from Misery, Kathy Bates. Kushnick on one. Helen. Kenny, I'll get right to the point. We see Travis's billboards all over town. We want to book him. Gee, that's great, Helen. I mean, that's really nice. So when do you want to... I mean, we uh, want him this week, when he's here for the concert. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. He's on Arsenio on Wednesday. Yeah, I know. My bookers told me, so cancel it. I mean, Arsenio's over with. He's in the toilet. His advertisers are deserting him. By the end of the year, there won't even be an Arsenio. Well, he's on the air now, and we're committed there. I guess you're not hearing me. Let me spell it out for you. If you want Travis on this show ever again, you better break that date with Arsenio. Helen... I think you need to know something about me. I mean, I don't respond well to threats. Now, look, maybe I can offer you something else. I mean, we've got a movie of the week coming up we need to promote with Kenny Rogers, Travis, and Naomi Judd. What if I could get them all on the same show? Excuse me. This ain't Merv Griffin. We don't do fucking theme shows, you dumb shit-kicking hick. Let me break the news to you. Not only is Travis Tritt not going to do the Tonight Show ever again, but you and I are going to be in this town a long time. We're going to see each other, and we're never going to talk again. I mean, it's your fucking loss and the record companies. Ken? The booking office from Leno just called. Trisha Yearwood's appearance has been canceled. Trisha Yearwood has been booked on Leno for months. I mean, how can Helen get away with this crap? Well, I'm not going to take it. Get me Robert Hilburn at the L.A. Times. Brace yourself, Warren. Ken Cragen's gone public about Helen. Holy hell is breaking loose. This is it. Oh, even Jake can see she's totally out of control. It's my favorite part because, uh, you know, he's a horrible actor. He goes, what? Trisha's been booked on that show for over a month. I'm not going to take it anymore. I, I think I say those lines in my head sometimes. What? Trisha, I didn't know it was Trisha Yearwood. but Trisha's been booked on that show for a month. Get me such and such on the phone for the New York Times. <laughs> I think I, I say that to myself when I'm alone sometimes. I know. That's what I do. I mean, that's how I, you know, come up and share these things with you because I'm saying them in my own house. It's weird. I know it's weird. Anyway, uh, well, now we're having a good time, right? So a couple more things. We have, uh, like I said, we still have lots to go because, uh, I, you know, I plan these things all all week long. Uh, I So, you know, I'm just watching random shit. Like I told you, I was watching the nanny and shit like that. And, you know, I'm obsessed with the, the last episodes and the pilot. So the pilot of Will and Grace was on at three in the morning one day. The pilot. And the pilot, and I, you know, whether you like Will and Grace or not, I mean, I, I've watched... For some reason, I've watched every episode. It's she's awful. Uh, Deborah Messing is one of the worst actresses I've ever seen, but there's no denying she was pretty, and I guess that's how she got the job. But she's no Lucy as she considers herself to be. So the pilot is on, and it was completely interesting because jack who the reason why that show is funny the the leads are boring to me but that guy jack mcfarland you know uh uh i I can't think of his name in real life but he's so gay you know he's just really gay and effeminate and it's really funny really funny his portrayal of this guy is really great 
and really funny and laugh out loud funny for me. I think he's great. But in the pilot, they told it was totally toned down because this was a show. You know, it's funny now just thinking, oh, a girl lives with a gay guy. And you're like, so. But in 1998 for NBC, it was like a big deal and they were afraid. So they clearly told this guy, take it down, take it down, take it down. And it's really funny because even though he's gay, he's very I mean, if you see the end episode and you see the first one and also the girl who plays uh, Karen, the one that um, is responsible for Bill Hader's career. Megan, Megan Mullally, I think her name is. She also is toned down. She doesn't have that high-pitched voice that she had doing this character the whole time, which is why all those people are so much better than the uh, Deborah Messing. I mean, Will's not that bad. He's just a straight guy. You know, it's no big deal. But, you know, she's awful. And uh, it's fascinating to see them, the first episode, and then you can see in the, in the pilot, and then the second episode, I guess, was filmed, you know, later, and he's a little more gay. And I guess as it goes on, they just let him go because the show becomes a hit. But yeah, he definitely, it's really weird. He totally tones it down so much so that if you're sitting and you know the show, you're like, what? What is this? Because I don't think I watched the first season or maybe I did. I don't know. I guess I was interested. I mean, I probably watched it because I thought Deborah Messing was really hot, (laughs) but I knew she was a bad actress and I saw the progression of her on TV. Besides, I mean, you see how beautiful she is in Seinfeld in that episode where she actually plays a racist. Um, She's so pretty. And NBC or whatever, I think it's NBC, and they just want, and they just, it, people, she was, just, they were just panning for her, you know, like, we got to find a show for her, we got to find a show, because she went through so many different shows before she, you know, hooked on something, so that's why I think I was just getting disenchanted, I'm like, oh my god, they just, they have nobody else to use, they got it, they're clearly looking for a show for this girl, but she's not that good, and that's why it doesn't work, so certainly, it's not because she was good, that the show was working. It was these other two supporting characters and Will, who was kind of, per- and also the pilot, he's got this great, like early nineties hair, which is amazing. And he's got this attorney's office, which doesn't make sense that it's in New York. It's in a basement in New York city. So, I mean, it looks awesome. I mean, if that was my office, it would be so great, but it certainly was fascinating watching these things at like three in the morning from 20 years ago. And, the way they progress, if you know it, I, you know, that's what I like doing. I also saw my best friend's wedding, which I'd never seen before. This is Julia Roberts' comeback vehicle. If you remember, you know, Julia Roberts, pretty woman, and she did moves in the 80s, but pretty woman is her thing. This is pretty woman. What was that 1990? So she takes four years off. And remember, she's. The star to be, you know, people don't remember. She, I mean, she was huge. I mean, you remember she was huge. Everybody knows she was huge. And then she took four years off to relax. And then she made a comeback. I mean, a major comeback. She still became the biggest star in the world. It's like nobody's ever, a woman has never done that before. You really got to hand it to her. So she makes this movie, My Best Friend's Wedding, where she plays the villain. Which was, you know, a, a risky choice. You know, even though it's a romantic comedy. I mean, it's, it's a risky choice. To make as your comeback vehicle, but uh, you know, I watched it and it's just awful. You know, really bad. I, I, it was funny. I just never saw it before, and I'm like, I really want to see this because I mean, a, Cam- a young Cameron Diaz and was it Dermot Mulroney, whatever that guy's idiot name is, and and Julia Roberts. I, you know, I just remember when it came out. I know people know about it. I'd never seen it before, so it's funny seeing something like that. It was very popular and made her a huge star again. It was amazing. And it probably 
would have been a normal movie if she hadn't if it hadn't been her comeback vehicle in all those years. But I gotta say, it was it's not a good movie, but it was interesting to see her be the bad guy in the movie and not get the guy at the end. That was an interesting twist in a romantic comedy. So I didn't enjoy it, but I was fascinated by it. Again, these are the kind of things I would only be watching during a quarantine. Also, there's other things that have been happening, like these, ugh, these things, like, you know, you turn on Amazon Prime and you're getting like, we stand by Black Lives Matter. I'm like, I need to see this on the TV. I, I believe you. You know, but, you know, is that, do I need to hear that from Amazon Prime? Don't I figure they probably do? And Soul Cycle puts out the, the nerve of Soul Cycle. We stand by our black community. I got an email. It said, we stand by our black community. Do you know they don't have one black person in there at all? They don't even have any black people working there. And do you remember the story I told you? About a year ago, when there was one black guy working there and he was saying horrible things and screaming out curse words, it was really fucked up. But I have never seen a black person exercise at Soul Cycle. Maybe there's one or two instructors, but they don't even have a black person working in the staff. Why does Soul Cycle need to come out and say we stand by our black community? Well, of course we know why they have to do it. Soul Cycle's a mess. They're screwed with all of this. They're just trying to keep up with Peloton at this point. I know why they have to say it, but it just sounds so disingenuous. Again, the two-facedness of these white corporations just saying, We stand by. Well, like, why don't you put that on as just a regular day? That you're 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 you stand by the black community. Why why doesn't Amazon have that written all the time? Why now? That's why I, I'm just I'm just sick of it, you know. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I am sick of it. I'm just sick of the two-faced of the white people saying all this stuff because they're afraid. They're clearly just saying it because they're terrified that they're going to end up like cops and be canceled. Nobody's going to watch. Nobody's going to watch our Amazon Prime if we don't say we don't like black people. That that's why it's just the two-facedness of it all, you know. If you really feel that way, put out more black stuff. You know, put out put up more black content if you really feel that way, right? Isn't that the way to do it? Which they don't really have a lot of, or they certainly don't promote it if they do. I guess Tyler Perry will keep getting a lot of work during this time. God, he's horrible. There's got to be somebody else, right? Uh, plus, somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true, that they don't want to be called African-Americans anymore. They want to go back to black. I told you that would happen. That's why I kept using the word colored people, because that may come back. You don't know. They've changed. Um, black people have changed what they would like to be called by us about three or four times since I've been alive. So, you know, sometimes what's old comes back and you never know. I know they don't like that word. I use it as more of a joke, but um, <laughs> because I always remember people saying it when I, you know, in the 80s when I was a young lad. But, uh, well, now who knows? Now they don't like African-American. So now should we cut out all the TV shows where anybody calls somebody African-American? Because if you're going to cancel Gone with the Wind on HBO Max, you fucking sissy pants. You fucking sissy pants people. HBO Max took Gone with the Wind off of their lineup. because well, We know why. Oh, sorry. It deals with the Civil War and slavery. Well, what the fuck do you want us to do? It happened and there's no way to change it. 
So let's just make sure that any black person that's ever watched it doesn't know that there used to be slavery somewhere and somebody made a movie about it. Is it a bad depiction of black people? I don't know. Maybe, I guess. But they're actors and they're depicting the way it was. I mean, Birth of a Nation is the most racist movie ever made. But do you need to see it? Probably. You should probably see it. If you're a black person, you probably want to see it and be like, let's make sure this doesn't happen anymore. Where the cook the cook cooks oh, I'll never get that out. I really am Porky Pig. Where they turn out to be the heroes of the movie. I mean, it's pretty fucked up. But yeah, we made movies like that. And some of them need to be seen because we need to remember. Uh, you know, I don't want to watch Holocaust movies, but it's important for me that other people do. I want people to keep watching Schindler's List because I need people to know. I can't stand it. But you know, I you take you fucking sissies. I swear to God, you're taking Gone with the Wind off the air. I tell you, this is exactly what I told you about Disney and and the fact that Live PD is half owned by Disney. These guys are the biggest sissies on the planet. When that movie Pearl Harbor came out, they got so afraid of offending the Japanese. Can you imagine the people that bombed? The U.S. in 1943, like, well, we don't want to insult them. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Then don't make the movie. It's a movie about the Japanese attacking us. Do you remember we were at war with them? What do you want to do? Then you shouldn't have gone to war with them if you're afraid you're going to make up with them later in life. We shouldn't go to war with anybody because we might be friends with them in 10 years, you dopes. Then don't make it a movie. Ugh. God, this shit makes me so angry. Everybody's so unbelievably two-faced. That's the issue. You know, again, I don't care. You're going to protest, and you protest for the right reasons, and it's all there, and whatever you're going to protest. You know, no no looting and a nice, solid protest. It's the American way. But, you know, if you're two-faced and you're only going there because everybody else is doing it, I don't know. I don't know if black people want to hear what white people have to say. You know, I mean, we mentioned this last week. That's the thing. You should just be careful. They might not want to hear from you. Even uh, Spike Lee, who, you know, is just the one of the most two-faced people, uh, said, "What you guys are really taking off Gone with the Wind? Spike Lee said this. What the hell is the matter with you? It's important that we show what happened. It unfortunately happened that the U.S. has a very checkered past. This is going to keep happening. It's the way it works. It's been happening since the Stone Ages. Just people just suck. We're going to make, we're going to fuck up and it's never going to be perfect. It's just, this is in the now, so it seems really bad, but it'll work out. That's why I keep making these videos where I'm talking from 2030, 10 years from now, when everything will be fine again. You'll see. Let's do something fun before we leave. Actually, I don't have to because we've really been talking enough, but maybe I'll save it for next week. Nah, let's just play it now uh, because we need some laughs. This is um, Triumph, the insult common, uh, doing censored jokes uh, or uh, on NBC, you know, on on one of the Conan things. I just thought I'd play it. It has no uh, relevance or anything, but yet in a way it's all about uh, sissy people and Smigel's the greatest and it it just made me laugh. So I just figured we'd play because we just need clips to cheer us up. Jack McBrayer, 
You all know my next guest from his hilarious remotes on this show over the years. Well, now he's starring with Jack McBrayer in the new Adult Swim series, The Jack and Triumph Show. Please welcome Triumph, the insult comic dog. Lost a cigar already. <laughs> oh, yeah. No Ryan, problem. How are you? Bill Tull has me. He's, he's down here feeding me more cigars. Okay, very nice. Well, good to have you here, Triumph. Very good to have you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's Triumph, really technically, it's a TV show, but we'll let it go with no, that. It's going to be. It's yeah. going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that nerdist thing on the run. Yes, you bet. We're closing in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you're doing great, man. This is very exciting. You went to Cuba? Yes, I... <laughs> Let me feed you again. Yes, I went to, I went to Cuba, yeah. You went to Cuba. Yeah. That's incredible. I thought after you left NBC, you would never want to return to a crumbling dictatorship. <laughs> No. We did it! <laughs> Wait, where's my paw? Oh, Christ. <laughs> Someone get me a paw! I want to high-five Jack! <laughs> we need his paw, for God's sake. All right, let's oh keep talking. How meantime. you doing, La Bamba? I see La Bamba over there. How about that? Remember when you guys would make all those jokes that La Bamba was gay? Yes. See, and now we're past that. We just accept that he's gay. We're <laughs> joking about it. Right? You don't joke about stuff like that. It's no, no, it's great. Yeah. Well, you okay. know what? It is great to have you back on our show. And Thank you. And out there doing some other shows, and we're just happy to yes, have you Yes, we have been doing amazing shows uh, like... Uh, the Today Show. You did the Today Show? Yes, it's been, the, believe me, it's a lot more fun here. A <laughs> lot more fun. More fun here than the Today Show. Yes, because they don't let you say stuff. You know, they don't let you call NBC a crumbling dictator. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let you do jokes like, here, you want me to read some jokes? And these are jokes that the that Today they wouldn't let Wait. me do. Uh, this is also from five years ago, so uh, I think he makes a Matt Lauer joke before that happened. <laughs> these are on the Today clear. Show. These are jokes that Today Show said you could not say. Yes. Okay. Pay no attention to the Jewish hand. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to read jokes. I'm reading them from this paper. Yes. My eyes are looking at the piece yes, of Yes, that's right. Because you're, yes. you're a real dog. Yes. Please don't put ruin it for me. Yeah, why don't we put that side up that has writing on it? Okay. <laughs> oh, don't get that Jewish hand back. Oh. <laughs> You're ruining it for the children. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, kids. I'm He's a real, real dog. He's a I'm real dog. Real. Okay, here's one. So they these are jokes. Go. These yes. are jokes that were cut from the Today Show. Cut from cut the Today Show. The Today Show. Jokes that didn't make it. Didn't make it. Hey, Al Roker. Here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. Chin waddles. <laughs> You see, because he has a lot of skin. Yes, yeah, right, right by his, his chin. chin. Yes. You see. I think they did you a favor. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, I ran into Matt Lauer in the hallway. What happened? It looks like NBC suspended his hairline for six months. <laughs> oh, snap! 
Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Folks at the Today Show, I'm sorry. I'm a little thrown, you know. What with Jon Stewart retiring, then Brian Williams being suspended an hour later. Wow, that was a, that was a tough week for fake news anchors. <laughs> Boom! Uh, Worm, give me a hit on that one. Uh, yeah, nice. So let's move on. No, Try no I got one more. Oh, God. You know, it's been a rough year, not for just Brian, but for his daughter, Allison, from the show Girls. Oh. Yeah, rough year for Brian and Allison. What with the two of them both getting their asses chewed out? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not a lot of HBO fans in yeah. the audience. I've seen that episode. So, uh, you I'm... see, because of the analingus. Yes, yes. It wasn't an episode of Girls, but you'd have to have seen it. Oh my god, I, I love it because it's uh, I like when he bombs when the jokes don't go and he has to explain it and he gets because I know that you know I know Bob Smigel and he just gets mad at that kind of stuff, but he but he handles it so well when he's a character. But when he goes backstage he's so angry <laughs> it makes it even better. Oh my god, that it really is my favorite character and it just he just cracks me up. Triumph is the greatest and uh I couldn't have been happier to be on his show. Well, I mean, I guess that's it for today. We just played a little Triumph of the Other. I don't mean Triumph the Band. I like Triumph the Band. I like everything that's called Triumph. Triumph the Band, Triumph the Dog. It doesn't really matter. I think we need, we're going to need to play Magic Power at some point again. Or somebody's out there somewhere. It certainly goes through my head and everything. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's our show for today, June 16th edition. And I hope you enjoyed it. I think it was a lively show, a lively discussion. Now, next week, remember, we're going to have this girl Heather on. And it, I'm hope and Dory, my niece Dory, who's always, ironically, a lot of laughs. I know. Why is she so good on the podcast? I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery to everybody, but... She's into doing it, even though she's in school. Oh, my God. And I'll, Well, we'll talk about it next week. I'll tell you some stuff that's just going to piss me off in a completely different way and has to do with college and Rutgers and their nonsense and all these schools. Do you realize that my nephew's graduate? They're having a graduation for him in July. In July. You know, if you're going to do anything and annoy everybody during their summer, just finish. Either do nothing or do it now. July, please. I mean, if you're not going to... I don't even... You know what? I can't even talk about this stuff. gets me just furious and has nothing to do with me. But that is our story for today. And I just really hope everybody's doing okay. I hope you get outside and get some sun. And I guess I hope you get a couple of curbside drinks. (laughs) Because it's happening, everybody. It's coming back. Uh, Do you know I have a dental appointment? Uh, When this comes out, I'll have had it already. I think I was the first one back. I scheduled it four months ago. I can't believe it, it worked out. Everything works out for Dave Jessica. Well, that's what makes the Nightfly so terrific. Hey, everybody. I'll see you next week on the Nightfly. Until then, have a wonderful week. Good night. Another night, another night.